This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI safety security. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. And we're having 20-minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter. Okay, today we talked with Mark Fidelman, Forbes columnist and founder of Rainforest. He shared some incredible tips for how to get content published and your company promoted in big publications like Forbes. There are techniques that anyone can use, and if you ever thought the only way to get written about was to take a big round of funding, he'll prove you wrong. Great actionable stuff in this interview. 
Hey guys, this is Joelle. Little disclaimer here. A few weeks ago, we sat down to record a handful of episodes in the same room, rather than Skype, which is what we usually do, and the audio quality unfortunately came out pretty terrible. Uh, We tried our best to make it better, but it's still not great, and this is one of those episodes. Hang in there, future ones will be a lot better, but the content is still really awesome, so stick with it. Thanks. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. We're here with Mark Settleman. Uh, he is a Forbes contributor, author of Socialize, and the CEO of Rainforest. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, Michael. Really appreciate it. So tell us a little bit about how you got started with Rainforest and kind of the timeline uh, between Socialize and launching Rainforest. Sure, yeah. So Rainforest is a marketplace for influencers to be hired by brands to promote products and services. And it all came about because uh, a company, another company you haven't mentioned yet, but uh, I own a consulting company called Evolve, and we've been doing this manually for clients for a long time. The problem with doing it manually, very, very difficult to do. Uh, we don't know if the influencer is going to work with the brand, if they're even capable, whether they can move the needle, what have you. Uh, so we developed Rainforest in order to automate all the things that we were doing manually with the, with the consulting company. What are some of the challenges you, you've run into from um, automating that process? Well, I mean, some of the simple things uh, that you don't really think about when you're developing the software. I mean, how do you get an influencer and a brand to run a campaign as simple as review my product? You know, uh, the brand's got one thing in mind, the influencer has another. So how do you make sure that you walk them through a process that makes sure that both come to a mutual understanding and you can monitor and measure and rate that, that progress uh, all the way from beginning to end? And that, that in itself, believe it or not, took us three months to figure out. <laughs> so this is complicated stuff. We're making it easy. I mean, that's, that's our goal. <laughs> so how long were you doing this manually? Just so we can kind of understand um, the, the timeline of business growth here. Yeah, I, I, I did it four years. It was an all an accident. Uh, it happened on a blog. I, I just basically did a survey to 25 very influential people in open source. I asked them who their most influential, who influenced them. I mean, literally, this was a fluke. I just threw the question in there. They all answered. I came up with with uh, ten names that were the most influential in open source. And to my to my knowledge, no one other than a Forbes or a major magazine had ever published a list like this before. But we did it on a blog in San Diego, and we had six hundred thousand views in six hours. Wow! And cracked our servers, and the press was going out and interviewing the people on the list uh, for, in, in London. Larry Augustine was number one at the time in London, all over the world. The press got involved. It just became a firestorm. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, <laughs> there's something here. So it all started four years ago. And obviously within those four years, there've been a lot of copycats, which is fine. You know, that's what happens. Uh, but we've really been able to perfect this uh, to an art, I'd say, at this point. So four years later, we've kind of codified that and put it into the Rainforest platform. So, um, and that post was sports related? No, 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 it wasn't. It was all about open source influencers. Sports came about, and that is my focus. Thank you for bringing that up, Michael. Uh, Sports is a focus because if you look at somebody like myself, I've got almost 100,000 followers on on, uh, Facebook. And then you look at, um, you know, a somewhat famous, somewhat famous snowboarder, not Sean White, but maybe uh, the next tier down, 
with the same amount of followers. So when I post something on Facebook, I might get 20, 30, maybe 40 responses. But these guys get 5,000 responses with the same amount of followers because they have that deep emotional connection with their, with, with their followers that I, you know, schmuck like me could never have. So that is um, why we chose sports. And I think I alluded to this earlier when we were talking. Um, there's only one group with more of a powerful impact than sports professionals. And, and that are, uh, those people are uh, singers and performers. And how did you figure out that sports was going to be your niche? Did you just try a few different industries and call into it? Or did you have a pretty good idea that that's exactly where you wanted to go? I wish I was that smart, but I'm not. Um, I, we just did experimentations. And when you look side by side, somebody that's in sports, that's talking about something that's related to what they do, and it's authentic. I mean, key is being authentic. They can move the needle like no one else can. I mean, hands down. If you know, Kelly Slater, who's one of the world's most popular uh, surfers, says, hey, this is a surfboard that you should be using, and you know, as opposed to somebody like me who says it, uh, he's going to have 10, if not 100 times the impact that I would. So what are some examples of campaigns that you're running with these influencers? So right now we're running one for one of the largest uh, phone manufacturers in the world. Uh, what we'll do, what we're doing is we're giving them a phone and we're saying, you know, just start using it, take pictures, uh, upload uh, your favorite apps uh, uh, to this social network. There's an app social network up there. Um, you know, just give us your overall impression of, of the phone. And, and so we did. Uh, we ran the campaign. It's still in progress because uh, the first tranche uh, was, was, was so good. And, uh, you know, we're just getting the, the figure back, figures back from that campaign, but we're talking tens of millions of, of impressions, uh, a couple of million views. Um, I think we had over 10,000 shares. Uh, the, the bottom line is for very, very little money by activating these people, by just giving them a free product um, and asking them to promote it if they like it, they, they've totally turned the, the image of this particular phone around. So how are you actually measuring, you're talking about moving the needle for these companies, how are you measuring that um, first manually and, and then how did you automate that? Believe it or not, there's a, a wide variety of tools that are out there that can measure um, a URL. So it'll go and take a look at a URL and it'll say, this is how many times it was shared on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google+, what have you. We use um, you know, a combination of tools. One is Group High. Uh, Group High is a great place to not just find influencers. They're like the white pages of, of influencers. You're not going to be able to hire them there, but like you can on Force, but you can find them. Uh, as well as track the performance of you know uh, campaigns that are run. There are quite a few tools uh, actually that are out there that'll track you know a URL if you type it in and it'll you'll spit back here the here's how many times it was shared, here's how many times it was viewed. Uh, so that that's how we're that's how we do it manually. Rainforest has a whole you know, automated set of solutions that measure a campaign, tell you how well they performed. And you charge per campaign, or is it a monthly monthly deal where they're getting connected with a certain amount of people? Yeah, at this point, we're just charging per per campaign. So if you're a brand and you want to spend ten thousand dollars or one thousand dollars on a campaign, we'll take twenty percent. Cool. So you are also a Forbes contributor, and uh, tell us a little bit about your journalistic background. 
Well, the funny thing is I, I have none. I'm probably the worst journalist uh, until four or five years ago. Uh, what, truly what happened is I failed writing in college, and it was embarrassing. You know, I, I consider myself a victim of the California public school system. So I failed it, and um, I was so embarrassed by that, I had to take a remedial writing, and they almost kicked me out. And, I, and it was a nice school, and uh, I almost kicked, kicked out. So I was... I took that embarrassment and I said, look, you know, I'm not going to be the worst writer in the world. Let's see how far I can get, you know, as, as close to becoming a great writer as possible. So ever since then, I've been practicing on becoming a better writer. Um, and that led me, because of my focus, that led me on a path to Forbes. And uh, it's kind of a long path. Uh, I could elaborate if you want. I don't know if we have enough time, but it's about starting with your own blog, getting syndicated, getting picked up by a third-tier site, then a second-tier site, making sure you move the needle for that second-tier site, and then you know somebody like Forbes will come along and, and pick you up if you really have the audience and you really uh, can move the needle. So now that you've gotten this kind of sphere of influence, um, how, what advice would you have for someone in a smaller startup that maybe isn't raising funding to craft that story so that someone like you would write about it? Okay, so this is a great question, right? I mean, this is something that's taken me a long time to figure out, even though I'm I'm on both sides. So the one thing, uh, guys like me get paid per view. So you've got to provide stories that you know are going to drive views for um, that journalist. One of the more less expensive ways to do that is to create infographics or some kind of visual content. Uh, that when is put into a blog post or put into the press will drive, you know, a lot of views for that, that uh, reporter. So the first thing the reporter says to himself when, you know, somebody like uh, a startup uh, pitches them is, you know, is this company interesting? And if that answer is yes, then it's, okay, the idea that they're giving me, the angle that they're giving me, is that going to drive views amongst my audience? And if that's a yes... Then the third question is, you know, is this, is this, does this take priority over the thousand other requests I'm getting from, from everybody else? And, you know, if the answer is yes, then you'll probably more, more than likely get them to write about you. But you've got to think like them in order to present uh, information that they're going to pick up. So a lot of startups make the mistake of just thinking, hey, I think it's interesting. So, you know, I think the press should too. And if they don't pay attention to me, oh, you know, it's... It's the press's fault. I'm not, you know, I, I don't know what goes through your minds, but yeah. I, I just for you how how you get what you do in order to get them to to, to cover you. So, what would be the best way to approach um, you or you know, kind of journalists in general? What what works for you when startups have approached you? The best thing that you could do for me is start promoting the heck out of everything I'm doing right now. So I would stalk these reporters on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever their social channels are. And just, you know, don't ask for anything. Just keep promoting the heck out of it, commenting on everything I do on the blogs. Just get my attention. And at some point, I'm going to feel so guilty that you're doing all this work for me that I'll say, okay, I'll listen to you. Um, and I might not print the first one um, that comes up. Or I might do, I do a lot of summary posts. My next one's a summary post. I might mention you in a summary post. But the key is build a relationship with these, these journalists over time by helping them and then uh, walk through those three steps that I, that I discussed before. You've got to make sure you can move the needle. 
for these guys because they're being paid on view counts. And uh, awesome advice, yeah. So how do you mean you get paid on view counts? How does that work? It's a little more complicated than that, but essentially it boils down to if you drive unique views, it's at one price. If you drive um, uh, just overall traffic that's returning, you know, you get a little bit, a little bit different uh, uh, amount of money for that. If you know it's shared a lot, you get there's different tiers of you know how much money uh, you'll be given for that. And I'm not talking just Forbes. I'm talking everyone's got their own formula. But it does boil down to views. So you want people coming to the site and interacting with the content. Uh, oh, comments is another one. So you want to encourage, if you're a startup and you actually get something printed, you want to encourage your friends, family, whoever you can bribe to get up there, share it, and comment on it. Because, you know, if you, again, if you move the needle for these guys, they're more likely to cover you in the future. And you can go to another journalist and say, hey, look what we did for. Joe over at TechCrunch. We this is an article he did. We framed it for him, gave him the angle. We promoted the heck out of it. Um, you know, got people to comment on it, and Joe made a lot of money from that from that article. So when Sally sees it over at VentureBeat, she's more likely to cover your startup. And what is the needle for you? Is it ten thousand, a hundred thousand? Um, low for me, but. Um, yeah, I'd say if you got it over 10000 I think they'd be very happy. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned um, certain kinds of content like infographics um, yes. put a little better. They're very easily shared. People like to tweet and post things to Facebook. Um, what other kinds of content get shared um, more often than not? Because a lot of times you're just seeing a lot of stories about who's got funding this week. Um, but what other what other kind of niche content can, can smaller startups maybe take a different angle on to um, get in front of it? Well, if you're very creative on video, you know you could do a quick Instagram or Vine video that's very clever. I don't know if you've seen some of the more clever ones. Um, that's something I'm I'm toying with right now. Um, you know, it, providing tips in 15 seconds or less or something, or it's just stop motion animation. If you've got a cool product that you want to display in a in a in a, a cool way, um, there's also and I haven't done this quite yet, but I'm going to um, creating complex subjects and making a little pictograph out of it, so that it's like and in an instant you understand what it is that that somebody's talking about. So, let's say you've got 25 aha moments. Um, as part of your 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 company story or your product story, if you could break that down into 25 little diagrams or graphs that are cute and fun and and distinctive, um, I haven't seen anyone do that. By the way, well, there, there's a, there's a Forbes writer that does it in her own way, but it's kind of the highbrow uh, types of messages. But if you could break that down into describing your product. Uh, and I, I know this is, is complex. So I, I would have to show you an example of it. And since we're on a po podcast, I can't do that. But uh, imagine breaking down your your story into little pictographs uh, that explain pictorially what it is that your product does or what problem it solves. Interesting. Maybe you can send us an example and we'll leave the link down below. I will, I will certainly do that. And I'm going to be creating my own here pretty soon. Very cool. Yeah, we could just link right to that. 
So basically, to, to summarize that for our listeners, it sounds like things that are A, visually rich, and B, digestible, quickly digestible. Quickly digestible, yeah. The other thing is, okay, go ahead. Are you looking for people to send you content that you'll publish, or are you, are you always producing the content yourself? Well, I, I think I'm good. So we, we produce a lot of it. But if they've, somebody comes to me with a great infographic and it's you know in the space that I cover, that's another thing I, I didn't mention is you really want to understand what they're covering and what they're interested in. Uh, then more, they have a better than, you know, I'd, I give them a 60 to 70% greater chance that they'll get into, a, into one of my columns. Yeah, so what I was saying is if you could create research, um, and this isn't cheap, but if you had research around a subject that I was very interested in, uh, like just somebody just sent me, and I'm going to put this into my next column, but somebody sent me um, social media use amongst student athletes in 2014. Uh, and they did a huge uh, survey to a thousand student athletes in college. And they gave me a whole breakdown of, of data and statistics. And they didn't make it into an infographic, but I, I could certainly do that. And uh, for me, that was extremely interesting. And I know my audience will be interested in seeing what the results were to, to understand where to focus uh, to reach these, these college athletes. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's something that's achievable for a startup to do that research. Uh, yeah, I mean, they should all be doing the voice of their industry. Uh, are you familiar with the voice of the customer survey? Um, no, actually. Okay, so that's just a survey that you send out 15 to 20 questions to really build what I call uh, buyer profiles. And a couple of those questions in there should be industry-related, not just uh, buyer-related. And you could take that industry-related con- uh, content or uh, answers and you could package it into a short infographic or just you know, like they did me here, uh, to me here, send me a, a link. <clears throat> There's something they published on their blog post, and I can take those statistics and I can put them in, into my next post to support a viewpoint that I have. Very cool. So we talk a lot about um, content and audience building on our podcast, and I would love to hear from your perspective how uh, writing it for writing a book, um, running a, an agency, how, how that has affected your startup? Well, I mean, I think we have a, a big leg up on any startup that's out there. Um, a, because we know how to create uh, great content because we're constantly studying what's working, what's not out there. So I'm, I'm watching, you know, what content is moving the needle and, and what isn't. And if something really moves the needle, I, yeah, I want to take a look at it and see, well, how can we put our own unique spin on this so that we can do the same thing for our clients or for ourselves? Um, so we, we're actively looking for great content on a regular basis to see what's working, what's resonating with our target audience. I mean, one thing I'm trying to figure out right now is, you know, Snapchat. Um, if your target audience are 14 to 24-year-old uh, girls and boys, Snapchat is where they're all at. You, you should be focused on that. Um, so we're, we're trying to figure out what, what's going to move the needle there. But there's a, as I alluded to before, we have a whole playbook of things that we know work uh, and that we're potentially going to publish. I have to figure out how we benefit from publishing it. But, you know, anything from trivia contests 
uh, to predictions. You can go out to your user base and ask them to predict something that's going to happen in the next 12 months and either put that on your blog or, or feed it to a journalist like me if it's really interesting. Uh, really, the goal with content is to create content that moves your audience emotionally. And if you can move them emotionally, you're going to have a much higher likelihood that they're going to buy your product or service, at least engage with you. Yeah, that's, that's really great advice. So, Mark, thank you so much for coming on here and, uh, and enlightening us on, on uh, these content strategies here. Where can we keep up with you for, for listeners that, that want to keep up with what you're doing with Rainforest, with Forest, with Socialize? Yeah, great question. Um, so there's two places, really. Uh, one is blog.rainforest.com, and that's R-A-Y-N forest.com. Uh, it's too expensive to buy at rainforest.com. <laughs> Other is, um, I would just Google this. I would just say Forbes, Mark Fidelman, uh, Socialized, and Mobilized is the name of the column. So uh, either one of those places are best. And... Um, yeah, or follow me on Twitter at, at Mark Fidelman, and you'll see everything I do. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. Hold up. Do you mind? I'm trying to build a kingdom here. Walk to the store with your boy. Let's get a ginger beer. Listen here. I got some shit to sprinkle in your ear. Rip and tear the kick and snare. Whistle like Rakim was near. Independent penmanship. Sending bitch tendency. Having rich rappers to their residences. My present tense is legendary living. Like my 50 grand merch work for what I'm given. Still ain't mad at it I'm in a cottage town Bossing that crowd around